0: overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're
1: listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible.
0: Hi, we're so glad to have you listening to Embarrassment of Riches. Tonight we have a very special guest. We have DBC's, uh, one of their children's Ministers, preschool um, ministers. Pre- I I know my brain was like fuzzing up. See, even I can do it. Hi, Laura. Hello. <laughs> We've decided that
1: I shouldn't do the intro anymore. Oh, I shouldn't. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm, I mean, that uh, was the spectacular. Spectrum. Not at your wheelhouse. Huh? It is not my wheelhouse. Oh my. I'm awkward and weird, and <laughs> I I don't do it right. Last time, I made us start over and do it again. So, we just like for. Miss Denny, to, to take care of that. That
0: um, episode hasn't aired yet, but uh-huh. there were some editing things that may not have happened. You. <laughs> Kyle and I felt like it would be best if we left that in. That
1: is not best practice. <laughs> that's,
0: that's, that's, that's the price that you pay when you don't listen to the podcast. Bef- uh, after, yeah. After recording.
1: Yeah, I would have never known if we didn't have this conversation. <laughs> Although um, it's not like I'm losing any face because I don't think anybody thinks that I'm polished at all or buttoned up. So everyone's
0: like, "Yeah, this seems about about right." This is right. normal. This is, this is yeah, that's, part that's, of the course. Whenever when I, when yeah. I say hi to her at church, she acts really weird too. Yeah. And you know, I'm like, <laughs> I don't. That's what I'm people, so glad I'm in good company. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm, just, I'm an awkward person. It's
1: great, great quality for a counselor. I'm just awkward.
0: Well, Dawn, I first met you my very first Sunday visiting DBC, and I got a little teary eyed. Now, I can get a little emotional sometimes, but I got a little teary eyed when I, that first Sunday, dropping my kids off because it had been a while since we had been back in a Bible church. And you were the face of what we had missed. And it was just this welcoming environment where my kids first Sunday they're they're feeling swooshed into class and welcome and wanted mm-hmm. and it was it was just such a great positive experience and um, and I I loved it immediately before we ever stepped foot into the worship service having met you. And then I think that following week you called me and followed up with me even though I don't even have a kid in the preschool ministry you called and talked to me like as a staff person and it was, I think we had a great conversation then. And anyway, I've it enjoyed working with you um, and just enjoyed meeting you that first mm-hmm. Sunday. And you were one of the reasons why we we're like, yeah, this feels like home.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's very, very, very important to me that, um, when families come and visit that, um, that they have that welcoming experience, um, that from the minute that they step up to that desk to register their kids, because I don't know what they have to face mm. to get there. I don't know. Mm. You know, we have some mm. amazing families in our church, and it's one of our things that I've even said in our volunteer trainings once. Well, so you do not know what that child had to face getting there mm. that morning, even just a normal, regular Love the Lord kind of family. You don't know what kind of dynamics happened in yeah. that car on the way to church. And, and you, know, like you know, mom walking in saying, um, My child doesn't have any shoes on, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. We got everything that you need to take care of your babies here. Uh, that we we will we will take them in, and we got it covered. But it's very, very important for me. From the minute that somebody comes in, that they know that it's a place where they are accepted for where they're at, who they are, mm-hmm. and that they're loved. And if for first time people coming in, you make a point of contact there. You make a point of contact to their teachers at the doors. Uh, you make a point of contact of taking them into the sanctuary and connecting them mm-hmm. with someone else that's in, that's that's the idea.
1: Well, you do that
0: well. <laughs> well, and I, I
1: think that the, the way that Jess started your sentence a second ago was you were the first person we met at DVC, huh? Is probably such a common thread with parents at our church. I mean, I, I so many people. You're the first person they meet.
0: Thank goodness. Oh, thank I goodness they
1: bless their hearts.
0: <laughs> Whoa. <Well, laughs> okay, I have an edit alert, but Dawn's uh, talking about what families have to face, and I think she was thinking that there are some that have to face far more than that. Mm-hmm. But um, it reminded me of one Sunday morning. Uh, usually, Sunday morning, our kids are relatively easy, but they particularly Hank does not like to get dressed for church he wants to wear basketball pants and a self-wicking t-shirt every time you might notice on Sundays he's always wearing a plain white t-shirt and his camo nice shorts every Sunday it's his church uniform because it's the only thing that he will tolerate wearing He's and a boy. He's a boy, and I'm like, I don't know. I've even got care. a 16 year old one I, of those. I won the battle of you're not wearing basketball shorts. So they dress fine. themselves, and that's when they that's right. what they
2: want to choose. So, fine.
0: so anyway, there Sunday morning always feels a little bit hectic with our kids, and um, one one day we had got up early. The kids were like. Doing what they needed to do in a timely fashion. Everybody was like prepared and ready for church kinda early-ish. And Kyle looks at me and he goes, Does this feel like one of those mornings where it's like everything's going well? And then one of the kids is gonna like slam, throw up. Slam, <laughs> no, <laughs> slam their face into uh, slam their face into a wall. Start crying, mm-hmm. and then all hell's gonna break loose. <laughs> and I was like, yes, because I know exactly. The calm, the calm before the it's Too like good it's just, to be true. That's what, this is too good to be true. So something ridiculous is gonna happen, to happen. That is just gonna make this mm-hmm. like just blow up into you know the calm before total the storm. chaos. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah. So y'all's hypothetical. That's just my every Sunday morning. Yeah. That's no, no, no. That's not hypothetical.
0: We, <laughs> we were living outside of it, but I just loved his description of that because I was like. Yeah, I mean, there's so many times where I have this, like, kind of eerie, eerie, like, I'm in the eye of the hurricane, Uh like, feeling of, like... When's
1: the other side
0: going to pass? (laughs) When's the other side going (laughs) to pass through? Someone's going to stub their toe. Someone's going to spill their drink. And this is not that big of a deal, but somehow this is going to be a catastrophe. Well, if it happens,
1: Dawn will be there (laughs) to accept you and welcome you. And calm you, even with your screaming kid in tow, and to say it'll be okay, and to say something sweet like "call you beloved." Yes. Um. Well, okay. Back to you. Tell us your story. Just, just some general background. I, I know very little about you. For as thankful for you as I am, I don't know you very well. So just tell us your, your kind of your bio. Okay. Um. I,
2: um, have three older brothers. Okay. And we are a military family. My dad was in the Air Force. We moved around a lot uh, because of that. Um, We were the family that looked good on the outside, but on the inside was something completely different. Mm. Um, You could do one thing one minute and it was okay. You could do the same thing the next minute and it was not okay. Mm. So as the daughter, as the... Girl in the family, I learned to, at a very early age,
1: make myself disappear. Mm. Um, so that I wasn't being the recipient of his anger. Um, then, so with that inconsistency, you just learned to fly under the radar. Fly under
2: the radar. Keep the peace.
1: Mm-hmm. Keep the peace at, at, as much as I,
2: it was possible or up to me to do. Mm. Um, <clears throat> we, he retired from the military, and we moved down here to Texas. be closer to both sides of the extended family. And um, things came to a head and my mom realized that this was not what um, her children needed to be um, under. So when I was eight, um, my parents divorced and my mom, because she had a college degree uh, from Baylor in, in the business world, was able to get a job. And her mother... My grandmother moved in with us, and it kept us off of food stamps. Um, she worked hard as a mm-hmm. single parent, knew the value of education, knew that all four of her kids were going to go to college. Mm-hmm. And so my three brothers went to A&M. Um, I love A&M. It's a and It's great school. But they, my three brothers were the rare breed that knew what they wanted to do while mm-hmm. they were still in high school, went to college, Got a degree in that field and are still working in the field that they got their degree in. That's not been my story, Mm -hmm. nor Um, mine, (laughs) nor most people. I know, right? Um, and so ended up at Hardin Simmons, which is a Baptist uh, Mm -hmm. college in in Abilene, Abilene. Abilene. Abilene,
0: Texas. (laughs) The Mecca, of the Church of Christ, but also oh, the Oh, also, I mean, it's like
2: the population during non-school season decreases like by half, I think, because yes. they have three church-affiliated schools right there in that yes. small town. And, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I was like, oh, Abilene has a mall, you know, when you come from Dallas, mm-hmm. and then you have all these sweet students from all these smaller towns around Abilene that come to Abilene, and you're like... Oh, Abilene! It has a (laughs) (laughs) mall. It's all all perspective, Um, but it was it was probably the turning point that God used in um, my walk with Him Um, while I was there. Went to Glorieta, which is this Baptist encampment outside of Santa Fe, Mm -hmm. New Mexico, and with the students um, from the school that summer and ran into friends that had just come off of being um, summer missions work mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what, that sounds really intriguing. So I um, applied and the next summer ended up being sent to Minnesota.
0: Minnesota. 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 You said it, yeah. to to oh, you uh, said it right.
2: <laughs> you have to know that you have to say that. The right way, or you will never hear the end of it up there. So, you know, I had my food. You can't
1: fly under the the radar. (laughs) No, no,
2: no, no. You have your food in a bag, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You do that very well.
2: Lots of practice. Um, But while I was there, I ended up being, um, living with a family for the summer who Mm -hmm. had an amazing marriage and had three kids. Their firstborn was their natural born daughter, and... Uh, the other two girls were adopted from mm. Guatemala, and um, they they had something that I knew I needed more of, and so at the end of the summer, they ended up debriefing all of um, those summer missionaries that they had, and they just said, you know, Don, we so appreciated you. You were there when we needed you. You were where you were supposed to be when we needed you to be there. Mm. Um, so just if you ever want to come back, we would love you know, wow. to have you, to, to have you come back. And so, again, back at Glorietta, um, doing stu- uh, student work and um, my senior year, and then praying and saying, okay, Lord, what's going to happen after I graduate from college? And the Lord just really led me to say I needed to go back and be part of this family. Yeah. So I lived with them for a year oh, um, wow. doing how missions work um, up there. So I saw a husband and wife argue with one another and still be in love and they'd call mm-hmm. me out on it you know they'd start having a little disagreement mm-hmm. and i'd get up and walk out you know mm-hmm. i'd disappear you know mm-hmm. i'd get up in the end. and jeanette stopped me and she said don you don't need to leave the room we're okay
0: mm-hmm.
2: we're still in love with each other mm-hmm. and we're okay I oh, what a you great lesson don't need to be leaving. Mm -hmm. You need to see this. And and so I saw committed marriage, Mm -hmm. um, the give and take of a husband-wife, the stress of ministry, Mm -hmm. and raising children, and making ends meet, Mm -hmm. um, and them still being in love and committed to one another. Mm -hmm. I saw godly discipline between the dad and his girls, Mm -hmm. and what it meant to be a father taking care of his children. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know they were the ones that taught me what does it mean to be a Christ follower and um, they were the ones that that challenged me I had never I grew had grown up in a Southern Baptist Church and and but I'd never been challenged to share my faith hmm. um, and it wasn't until I was with them that first summer that they had said you know okay now write out your testimony. Hmm. And I couldn't remember. Mm. Um, I couldn't remember anything because my time when I walked the aisle at a Southern Baptist church and accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior had been during that season that my parents were walking through a divorce mm. and how things had escalated in our family. And I couldn't remember. It was my so overshadowed by the stress. It was sh- overshadowed mm. shadowed by the stress, exactly. Um, and all that was going on with our family dynamics. Mm. And so through a series of events and, um, I, you know, I had a, a teacher say, you know, Dawn, I would hate for the fate of my eternal soul to be based on what somebody else says I have or haven't done. Mm. And so ended up just, you know, okay, Lord, I know what scripture says. It says, you know, I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. Um, because the adversary, because I couldn't remember, mm. The adversary was using that as as a season of just Down. you
1: don't know, do mm-hmm. you? Yeah, you're not so sure. You
2: you don't know. Mm-hmm. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're not. Mm-hmm. And so, regardless of whatever that was when I was eight years old, um, the decision as a young twenty year old to say, "Okay, Lord, I know that you are my savior, mm-hmm. and we're resolving this." And this is done. Mm-hmm. I know what you've done on the cross for me. Mm-hmm. And and so it was like, okay, there was that victory. That mm-hmm. that nail on the wall mm-hmm. that my life was hung on mm-hmm. of, of assurance of, of my salvation. Mm-hmm. And so um, being discipled by um, the Henrys. And after that year, came back and went to seminary. Um, because, again, I was at Glorietta. Mm-hmm. And sensed calling to ministry full-time and um, knew that that would require probably a season of preparation. So I went to seminary and got my um, Master's of Divinity. And while I was there, the Lord allowed me to be part of a drama group Mm. that used evangelism through um, songs and skits Mm. Um, And there was even a skit that was the train up a child and it was the, you know, the family getting ready on a Sunday morning to go to church Mm -hmm. and all the arguing Mm -hmm. and bickering Mm -hmm. and the nitty gritty of just junk in the family. And Mm -hmm. then you get to church and everybody's all smiles and Mm -hmm. looking at shaking the preacher's hand and acting Mm -hmm. as if nothing had, you know, (laughs) been wrong that morning and those kinds of things. And so we were invited that summer to go to Zimbabwe um, for the Baptist World Alliance Youth Congress, and so a group of us went and used you know evangelism, street drama um, as a means of communicating the gospel while we're there. And so we were there for three months. And um, how cool! It was amazing. Wow! Absolutely amazing. Beautiful, amazing mm-hmm. people. You were in your twenties when this. I was in my twenties. yes. Wow. And I, I fell in love with the African continent, mm. fell in love with the people. Um, and so I came back and finished the end of my seminary career and um, through the Southern Baptist tradition, we have a program called Journeymen, which allows young, single, under 30 college graduates to be able to go anywhere in the world um, for missions work um, for mm. a two-year term. And so I ended up going and um, applying and was accepted at um, serving in East Africa. So when we landed on the field, I was no longer a missionary because I was working with an NGO mm. that gained, was trying to gain access to the Somali people. Wow. And so I served there for two years. Mm. And it was some of the, again, some of the darkest mm evil, um, seeing the adversary work through this at, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Black Hawk Down, which Mm -hmm. is based on the story of what happened to some of our military personnel. Um, Mm -hmm. and that happened in October of 93. And I was on the ground there working with the Somalis in August of 94. Oh, wow. And so, um, Less than a year later. Less than a wow. year. Less than a year later, and the U.S. had already pulled out um, of the U.N. by that point and had left. But there were still other countries that were serving. So we were doing medical relief work, trying mm-hmm. to gain access. Uh, been to Mogadishu, Somalia. Flew in on a U.N. peacekeeping flight, um, working with the people. That the first the first month that I was there, four Somalis were martyred for their faith. Um, there was a list circulating of um, those who were considered believers, and it was kind of that philosophy of, we don't mind killing many if we feel like we can get the few. Oh, um, gosh. And, and, you know, there How would How did be... your family feel about you being over there in this time? Um, I had done the hard work of being very open and vulnerable with my mom, mm. so that she had been brought along the journey of God's calling in my life Mm. so she had seen Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know what the three months in Zimbabwe Mm -hmm. had been like for me um and plus my my best friend from um, college who had grown up as a missionary's kid in Guatemala when the military guerrillas would come down out of the the mountains into the town and shoot guns around them as they were trying to go to school Mm -hmm. and they would have family discussions and I remember Susan, my best friend telling me that they would have those discussions and mom would say, we're safer here being in the center of God's will than we can be in any suburb of the United States. Yeah. And so I told that mom before I, to my mom before mm-hmm. I never even thought of going and, mm-hmm. and, and being in Africa. And so, um, so because I had done the hard work up front, she was then willing to see that this was, God's calling, did it, was she Mm -hmm. completely at peace? No. Right. What mother would be knowing Mm. that they're sending their child Mm. to, um, to, to a not completely stable, Mm -hmm. um, place to be, but she could understand that for you not to go would be disobedient. Right. Right. And she was a good example of holding me with an open hand, Mm. um, allowing me to, to follow God's calling, Mm -hmm. um, in my life. And I thought that I was going to be a single missionary, um, you know, on the mission field in Africa, but I didn't have a piece um,
0: so starting how did you the meet process. Your husband?
2: Well, and that was it. So I came back um, from that two-year term. Um, again, some of the strangest and some of hard experiences and just, you know, Lord, why did you allow me to have these two years of difficulty, and, you know, I know the I am in the cloud, you, you've proven yourself and shown yourself faithful in the midst of just really dark and hard circumstances, so why did you send me to that if that's not going Mm -hmm. to be the direction that you're, Mm -hmm. that you're calling me to, because I kept on sensing over and over, you've been to your Judea, you've been to your Samaria, you've been to the utmost parts of the world, I want you in your Jerusalem, and Dallas was
1: my Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and you were kind of thinking like, I put the hard work in here. Aren't you going to redeem this here? And, and, and
2: so, so then just spending, I had a, huh. um, met a pastor who had come from Houston there to be, uh, the leader of the missions meeting of the mission that I was a part of. And he wanted me to come down there on staff. And mm-hmm. I went and interviewed even, and the Lord just said, no, I need you in your Jerusalem. I want you here in your Jerusalem. And so, it was at the end of that summer that I found out that my church was taking a group of singles for Labor Day weekend conference to Glorietta um, for their weekend conference. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to use that and go with my church to spend time there and go back to my rocks of remembrances, to the place where you called me to ministry, to the place mm-hmm. where you led me to go to the Henry's mm-hmm. um, in Minnesota, the place where you told me to go back and stay with them for a year. Um so, I, while I was doing all of that that weekend um, at Glorietta, there was a man there who was a single parent, mm. and he was one of the breakout session leaders for mm. single parents, and he kept seeing me, and the Lord had restored him to ministry after being divorced, mm. um, and his wife had decided she didn't want to be married to a minister mm. anymore, and she'd had an affair. Mm. Um, and so he comes up and introduces himself to me the last morning that we're there. all I know is his name and all Mm -hmm. I think he knows of me is my name. But apparently he had kept seeing me the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. So he had gone to the prayer gardens. It's a beautiful prayer garden in the Glorietta. Mm -hmm. And had laid down on this rock ledge up at the top um, to pray. Mm -hmm. And, Lord, why do I keep seeing this woman? And why is my heart Mm -hmm. being drawn to her? And he sits up and... He said, there I was walking up the steps of the prayer gardens uh, at that moment. And he didn't mm. tell me until later after we were already married that he had a vision of me in white then and new before he'd ever even met me. Yeah. Wow, that gives me chills. And so it was like one of those things where, okay, it was probably very white that you didn't tell me that before, <laughs> until we were married because I would have been going, um, that's...
1: Mm, a little much.
2: little much. A little much. A <laughs> little much there. Um, So he he comes up and introduces himself to me. Um, And then not even 24 hours later, after we all got home, he calls me and asks for a coffee date. Mm. And I said, I'm sorry. I don't (laughs) date people I don't know. (laughs) So I shut him him down, told him no.
1: Are you picturing me in white to murder me? (laughs) Is this some cult thing? No, no, no. So you shut it down. So I
2: shut it down. He was like, um good answer (laughs) maybe the Lord will allow her to pass across someday and that was it so then the next day I get a phone call from this lady who introduces herself to me and she says hi I'm Terry Rushing you don't know me but I had the same standard as you did Mm -hmm. Crawford married my husband and I he's a dear friend of ours and he's told us about the weekend and we just think that there's something that's going on there Mm -hmm. we'd be willing to meet with you so that you're not by yourself. Here's my name. Here's my phone number. Call me if you have any questions. Um, you know the whole nine yards. And so she said, "I just I want to ask you to pray.
0: Yeah. Please pray." That is how you know. Um, this is a short edit alert. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> but whenever um, the person that you're that you end up marrying that God provides for you doesn't think you're a complete weirdo from your answer, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that. This must be meant to be. When Kyle asked me on our second date, I said, I don't know, you're a musician with irresponsible hair, (laughs) and I'm a very responsible person, so if you're not a person I can count on, I don't really see this going anywhere. I mean, I I like you, you seem nice, but you are a musician, and based on that faux hawk, I'm just not sure. And uh, he said, well, I'm a homeowner. (laughs) That was his big sell. That was his, yeah, yeah. Now um, that that was 2004, so a homeowner back then had you know had zero percent down on their house, (laughs) whatever. But I didn't know that. But anyway, he turned out he turned out okay, but. I always thought it. He was still has good.
1: irresponsible hair. He
0: still has irresponsible <laughs> hair, but I always thought that was a pretty good sign that he didn't think I was a complete weirdo and still wanted to go out with me after I said that. So I mean, Crawford sucked friends on you. He I know, friends right? After you. right? He That's gave right. you the hard sell. Right? So, single right? ladies, you can't turn the right one away. You can't weird them away. No, you weren't weird, but no. So, so. So I got to be you. That's me. If you can't I, handle that, you can't right. handle me. Exactly.
2: And so I, I prayed and felt a peace about, okay, I can say, I I, I can go ahead and say yes. And so I called Terry back, tell her I'm willing. And not even an hour later, he calls me and sets up for our first day that Thursday. And so you have to understand. So this was. September, I had just gotten back in the middle of June from being in Africa. I still felt like I had bush grass in my hair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and so he takes me to Lowry's Prime Rib downtown, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a, is a, you know, fancy kind of Mm -hmm. place. And we ended up just talking for hours. Mm -hmm. And, and he's very, he was a very romantic man pursued me and learned at the time. I drink coffee now, but at the time I didn't. It was hot chocolate with whipped cream on top. And so he was a chaplain for the Dallas Police Department. So he'd go on ride-alongs with them at night. And then when he'd get off, he'd go and get um, the hot chocolate and put it on my doorstep and then call me and say that there was a, a little happy oh out front you know, for, for him and uh, for me. And, and flowers, just because our second date, he rents a Mustang convertible. And you you know has the Baptist drink of sweet tea and you know cheese and sure. fruit trays in it and everything drives way up north and and um just just a very very romantic uh, romantic man. Um, he set the bar high. He really did. Have and you dated
1: much before that?
2: Um, I had dated some. I so you knew that this was, good, but not like a lot. Was... I just I just wasn't a whole lot of a dater, you know. But I was thirty one mm-hmm. and. He was 10 years older than me. He was 41. Mm-hmm. So we both had kind of been around enough to mm-hmm. know, I guess, good when we mm-hmm. when we saw it. And mm-hmm. so because he had seen me in that vision of white, he already knew. Mm-hmm. So he started feeling more confident of the next step. And I started feeling pressured. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, okay, you need to back off. Mm-hmm. I I I love you, but I need to know that God's calling me to you. And so I left town and went to my mom's best friend' house in Corsicana mm-hmm. and did a weekend of fasting and praying. And my next day's devotion in Oswald Chambers was um, mm-hmm. um, talked about Jesus' last prayer for the believers, John mm-hmm. seventeen twenty two. You know, Father, may they be one mm-hmm. as you and I are one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had talked about the fact that oneness isn't something that happens, you know, just on the wedding night. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's God's marriage is God's microcosm to, mm-hmm. to boil things to the surface mm-hmm. that, that selfishness, yes. um, pettiness, um, um, and and what dying to self really means. Right, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and how we all have those, those things. And it's like, Heavenly sandpaper that we all have those rough edges, mm-hmm. and it's it's his tool God uses to to help us to conform more and more into the image of His Son mm. and stuff. And so when I got that verse and I knew that that was the verse God was giving us, um, and I told him. And um, so a week later, and I gave him the green light. So a week later, he we go out to dinner and he drops me off and he says, "Okay, I'm picking you up early." The next morning, I need you to dress warm, casual, and you'll be gone for most of the day. I was like, okay. And so he picks me up, and he has the mug of hot chocolate and a rose, sure. drives to Love Field, flies me to Albuquerque, rents a car in Albuquerque, and drives me to Glorietta. Oh, my goodness. And takes me to the spot in the prayer gardens where he had oh. seen me and got down on his knees there in the snow. And, oh, my and, goodness. Uh, and proposed to me there. Oh. oh, wow. wow. So that's
1: a, he set the bar very, very high. Yes. Oh, um, my goodness. That is special.
2: We were far from perfect. We both had baggage. His from being wounded by his mm-hmm. first wife. Mm-hmm. Um, me from being wounded during my family of origin. Mm-hmm. Um, we had things that we had to work through. But I had a man who loved me mm-hmm. and loved me well.
1: Yes. And knew you. I mean, like, the hot chocolate is just a... a The surface level of how he knew you and wanted to give you treats and make you know that you're special. Yes. Yes, he was very good at that. And how long after did y'all get married?
2: So, we, first date was in September. We were engaged by Christmas
1: and we were married by April. Oh, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Can understand why you did a little fasting and praying in Corsicana. Yeah, yeah, but I mean again, we were
2: older mm-hmm. um and and I firmly believe in short engagements and because there was no way we could have handled a long one mm-hmm. without compromising holding.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't tempt it. Get, get to the altar. Get to the altar. Go. There you go. <laughs> So
2: so um, then I started so he was he was the single parent blended family minister mm-hmm. um, on staff at the church and um then after we were married I came on staff um doing women's Is first Baptist yes, yes. First yeah. Baptist Downtown. Mm-hmm. And um and then I became the the women's minister and you know, we were just doing life. Um he um had two children from his first marriage. So we had two kids. Mm-hmm. We had him on the weekends every weekend with us mm-hmm. and um just busy and just working and, and doing life together. And um God started discipling him in the area of prayer. He gotten connected. Um I don't know if you've ever read that book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by uh Jim Cimbla, who's mm-hmm. the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, in New York. And um, he had, um, continu- he started going up there, and I remember his first experience being up there. Um, he knew he didn't know any better. He rented a car in New York City, mm-hmm. and was driving trying to find where the church was because he was going to go and participate in their prayer meeting that they were having on a Tuesday. And. He finds a place to park, and he goes into the front door to the receptionist and says, you know, hey, I'm Crawford Moody. And she's like, we've been expecting you. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that you're here. Um, And he's like, you know, if you could tell me where your parking is, because I had to park at a meter out there. And she's like, we don't have any parking. There's no parking. He's like, you have four services on Sunday that you're turning people away from, and Mm -hmm. you don't have any parking. She's like, no, sir, I'm so sorry. But if you tell me where you've parked, I'll be glad to go feed the meter for you while you're here with us. It was just the tone that was set from Mm -hmm. the minute that he walked in the door
0: Mm.
2: of there. And when he came home and I picked him up from the airport, he was angry. Mm. I was like, what is wrong with you? And he was like, I feel like I have feasted the banquet table. And now I have to come back and be satisfied for the happy Mm. meal. Mm. Oh, wow. And, And so from that point on, he started going back to Brooklyn Tab and seeing model of, 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 prayer and worship mm. and what that looks like. And he would start bringing groups of singles up there, mm. um, um, every, uh, every summer. And we didn't think we were going to be able to get pregnant cause we mm-hmm. had stopped any kind of him, you know, birth mm-hmm. control or And, and so it had been two and a half years and nothing mm-hmm. had happened mm-hmm. And so I just thought, well, the Lord's given us two great kids. Mm. That's the way it's going to be. We're both in ministry Mm -hmm. and a calling, loving what we're getting to do. I even remember sitting down at dinner one night and think and telling Crawford that, you know, just I I just I'm done I don't think that we're gonna, Mm. you know, have any kids and everything Mm -hmm. the whole time I'm pregnant and I didn't know that I was pregnant (laughs) had had the moment and and I was experiencing lower back pain and all of a sudden something kind of clicked and I even went to the downtown pregnancy center that our church had and um, found out I was pregnant through our downtown pregnancy center. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to understand because Crawford was 10 years older than me, it was so funny because I called him and I actually told him over the phone that we were expecting And, and there was this pause. And, and then he just kind of laughed and chuckled and, and, you know, said, well, I guess I'll be in the, you know, uh, they'll have to wheel me in a wheelchair for his <laughs> high school graduation. And um, so it was just, it, it was a blessing to know that we were expecting. And, um, you know, looking back, there were things of his health that I mm. questioned and, and, you know, hindsight. Mm. Um, It had been two years since he had had a physical, and just life was busy, and somewhere during that two years, he had an infection that settled in the lining of his heart, Mm -hmm. and enlarged his heart, and we didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, He had gotten up really early on a Monday morning uh, with Lauren, our daughter, and um, she was 16 at the time, and they'd gotten up early because it was the week of youth camp. And so he was bringing her up to the church to meet the bus because they were meeting at like five o'clock in the morning to, to go to youth camp. And so, got her there. I went into work. Um, I saw him that afternoon um, briefly, and then he called me and let me know that he was going to be leaving at three o'clock and said, you know, I've put in a full day already, and so I'm going to go on home. Um, He loved working in the yard. Loved. Because he was a, a mountain man from North Carolina, I think in our property in Mesquite, he'd planted like 10 trees. Mm. All these trees all over our property, um, which was great. And um, so when he called me and told me that, that he was going to go on and go home, our last words to each other were, I love you. Mm. Um, and it's such a gift to, to have that and nothing unfinished. Um. Excuse me. <laughs> and so I came home, and I got home, and um, at about six fifteen, and found him in the front yard, where he had um, collapsed, and he was gone. Um. You know how you hear people say, uh, when you call 911, it takes forever for somebody to get there. And it wasn't my case. I remember trying to turn him over, uh, because he, again, he was a very big, um, large man, um, mountain man, and and I was very pregnant. And um, so I got him over and started doing CPR, ran inside, got the phone, came back out, called 911, and they were there very fast, but I knew.
1: I knew he was gone.
2: And um, in that moment, I remember feeling just this bubble of peace that descended that has nothing to do with me,
0: mm.
2: and everything to do with God. And in that moment, his peace enveloped me, even in the chaos of, of, of what was in front of my eyes. And I remember when the, the paramedics got there and they came up and examined him. And I looked up at the paramedic and I said, he's gone, isn't he? And they said, yes, ma'am, he is. And they got me inside and I made two phone calls, um, one to family and one to the, the sweet security guard at the church. And from that point on, the tentacles of just a word of mouth. Uh, there were people there almost immediately just doing the things that needed to be mm. done um, that I couldn't even have in my mind to think to do. And and you know from bankers and attorneys at the church mm. um, being there and coming around me and helping me um, I think One of the the things that that I have continued to tell moving forward is, and this is kind of a sidebar um, in this part of the story, but we didn't have a will. Mm. And so Texas is community property. And so if you want to sell your house, if you want to sell your vehicles, all of these things are considered uh, community property. And it makes it so difficult mm. on loved ones left. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell all these young couples, and when you start having children, you have to have a will. Mm-hmm. That is one of the acts of love mm-hmm. that you can show mm-hmm. to your spouse mm-hmm. um, is to have your business taken care of mm-hmm. and 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 ready. and, and um, Because we don't have the promise of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I expected to have the rest of my life right. with my husband. Mm-hmm. And Chandler was born 10 days later mm-hmm. um, after Crawford passed.
0: 10 days later? 10 days mm-hmm. later. Oh, gosh.
2: And I, I wanted to see my husband hold our son.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And but that's not what God had in mind mm-hmm. for us. And... I remember because I was on staff in women's ministries at the church, God always provided the, the right woman to be able to walk me through mm. what I needed at the right moment. Um, there was a woman who at the time I didn't really know very well mm. who said, Dawn, I'm going to come over twice a month. Mm. You go close yourself off in your bedroom if Chandler wakes up in the night. I'll get up with him. Wow. So at least twice a month I had one night of mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did that for almost the first year. Oh, wow. And just the, the grace with that, just even how do I bathe my son the first time, mm-hmm. God had a woman there to speak to it. I
0: can't even imagine how difficult that was to be in the throes of grief Mm. and having a newborn.
2: I saw God's wisdom in giving me a newborn because it forces you to Mm. get out of bed. Mm. Um, And grief is hard work. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want my son growing up wondering, did I do something wrong? Why is mom mad? Mm. Or why is mom sad? Um, what did I do kind of thing. I wanted to grieve well in order to be as healthy as I could be Mm -hmm. for Him. So there was God's presence, seeing His faithfulness, seeing His provision. But the fact that there was a little person in the room down the hall that needed me, Mm -hmm. I had to get out of bed. I had to.
1: He was relying put on, on your healing.
2: Now that's not to say that when there was somebody in the house that I wasn't in that bathroom mm-hmm. in the shower, crying my guts out, mm-hmm. hoping that nobody heard. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and time is a good equalizer. It is. Um, Chandler's sixteen now. Mm-hmm. It's been sixteen years. And again, I've seen God's faithfulness. I've seen him be my husband. I've seen him be Chandler's father. Would I have wanted it differently? Of course. Sure. Of course.
0: But God steps in. Don. this interview did not go the direction that it normally does, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, will you come back on um, Embarrassment of Riches yes okay because we would love to continue interviewing you and hearing more about your story um but we scheduled two interviews tonight (laughs) and i know we're gonna have to wrap up but before we do would you have up like one of the questions we ask is like tell us about a time where god really showed up for you you have kind of told us a time would you kind of just a little bit more in that um that season where Chandler was a baby and you're in grief, just talk about for a few minutes how you felt God's presence, where you felt God's presence, where you see saw Him showing up, um,
2: showing up in in um, even just the fact that because we didn't have a will, um, I did about 15 months on my own. Mm. Um, With a newborn driving downtown to go back to work. Um, And I remember the very first women's event back. I was uh, um, a prayer, my prayer partner at the time also was chairman of our women's council. And she came up to me and she said, Dawn, I don't know if you're ready to hear this, but. know i was talking with my husband and you've been a child of a single parent you married a single parent you've become a blended family um you've given birth and you you've become a widow and look at where god's placed you there's not much about a woman's life that you can't identify with Mm. and sometimes i would handle my grief with humor Mm. um and what came out of my mouth was well I've not gone through menopause and I'm not becoming grandmother. And hopefully both of those are a long way down the road. (laughs) But in that moment, there was a thought that came through my mind. don't know where the origin of it was. But it had physical pain attached to it. And it was, God, you required my husband from me. Will you require my son as well? Mm. And I remember that that started the battle. Of holding my son with an open hand, of going through two ear tu- ear tube surgeries, mm. of of um, selling the house and you know moving in with mom and Chandler being inconsolable on the move-in night and I'm thinking he swallowed something mm. and calling 911 and all of these things of of you your, your Fear. Mm-hmm. There, there's something about having a child that makes you so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And feel incredibly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then not to have your husband there. You mm-hmm. To bounce things off. Or to bounce and, 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 and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and really circling back around to that question, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. God does require children because mm-hmm. they're not ours to hold on with a tight fist. Mm-hmm. They're entrusted to us. For a season, and so that's been an act of obedience, mm. um, of being able to hold him with that open hand, mm. um, and I mean, we we can just keep talking about God and and
1: and what He showed me, but I want to be respectful of. Well, I want I uh, this I think this is the least we've spoken yes. in any interview because I'm completely. Captivated by your story, and I cried through a whole big chunk of it, so I'm not going to do that again right now. But and I know that you will totally return the glory. Well, I might cry. I know that you'll to- totally return the glory to it's God. Yes, yes, but you're amazing, and I think what makes you amazing is that you want to turn the glory to God, but just to see um, your strength and the kind of mother that you've been and that you have walked through so many different women's shoes and what you've experienced and that you handle it with just grace and, and, and that you want people to see God through it and humor. And I just think you're incredible. And I'm just like so blessed that DBC got you, (laughs) which I'd love to hear that story, (laughs) but just so grateful for you and your heart. And, um, your willingness to share it, and um, yeah, I'm just amazed.
0: Yeah, and I have, I have had the privilege of hearing part of this story before, not the whole story, but part of this story before, um, but I, I agree with, with Laura that I, what I wanted to say was I like, you know, what, I'm, what I saw in you the first day I met you is what I see in you over and over, and it's this boundless joy of the Lord, and um, that ability to find joy and gratefulness, even in really hard, painful times, and I love that about you, and I love the joy that you spread in our church, and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that I get to serve with you in children's ministry. You really are a huge blessing, and um, we really love you. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm now snotting. Yes, I actually have <laughs> we're snot. U- we're
1: ugly crying. Yes, we are. Ugly, <laughs> we are officially <laughs> ugly crying. So it's the embarrassment of snot episode. <laughs> but,
0: but Dawn, we would love to come. We would love to have you back, and we'll we'll dive into some of the other kind of things. But gosh thank you so much for sharing that story and that I know that that is going to encourage so many women that are walking through just things that seem impossible to face um
1: yeah I think the implications of your story are so far-reaching and and um I think that they're far-reaching on Sunday and I think they're far-reaching on Tuesday and I think they'll be (laughs) far-reaching in the podcast so um, I know that that's not of uh, something you would like to regularly relive, and um, I'm just really grateful that you shared it. And I just think you touch so many people's lives um, with all parts of you. We could go on and on. We can just have a back and forth compliment like, session. That's right. On. This is the best. <laughs> <time. For that. laughs> well, we love you. How and many thank times? You and how rest.
0: many times has Don Moody's name come up in the podcast? I, I, almost everyone. <laughs> I know, probably. I feel, I yes. feel like that's true too. So yes. we love you, Dawn. Um, you and too. we really do, would love to have you come back if you don't mind. Yes, We'd please. love to have you come back. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us tonight on Embarrassment of Riches.